0: These offenders, they will keep reoffending until they're stopped.
1: Sheriff is claiming that this death would not have happened if that suspect had been kept in prison.
0: These early released inmates have reoffended and committed even more serious crimes. Right now we're in a crisis mode of fixing what's just an out of control crime rate. These theories about, you know, long-term solutions aren't going to address what we're currently facing.
1: A registered sex offender is under arrest for the attempted sexual assault of a child inside the school.
0: And the number of children that are going to be impacted because of the release is going to be dramatically higher.
1: Thousands of convicted pedophiles in California have been released from prison after only spending less than a year behind bars.
0: Well, if rehabilitation isn't working and we're just letting out all these criminals in mass in very large amounts, why is anyone surprised that we're having an incredible rise in crime? We need to protect society. No one feels safer today than
1: they did several years ago. My guest today, is Samuel Dordulian, victim's attorney and former prosecutor. It's terrifying as a parent.
0: I'm a parent of two young children, and the idea that these these child molesters, these pedophiles, are walking out and about and being released at a very high rate, well before their time that they should be released, it's terrifying for me as a parent, and it should be terrifying for
1: every parent out there of a child. Recent reports show that about 7,000 child molesters were released early from prison in California. According to the US Department of Justice, these criminals are four times more likely to reoffend. Is rehabilitation instead of incarceration working in our state? And does it have an impact on the community and the rise in crime? Continue watching from an insider's perspective. I'm Siamai Karami. Welcome to California Insider. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We want to talk to you about California releasing child molesters um, with a very minimum punishment of sometimes even under a year. There was a Daily Mail investigative report that said about 7,000 child molesters were released with a less than a year Punishment, what are your thoughts on this?
0: I'll tell you when that reporter first contacted me and told me this I Questioned whether his statistics could possibly be true That wasn't my experience. I'm a former prosecutor in the sex crimes unit I used to do these things. I used to charge people I used to convict people and to hear that child molesters and particularly this reporter What he did is he just weeded out uh, Violations of penal code section 288. That's the lewd acts upon a child and they have different age groups under 14, and then there's a 15-year-old uh, age group. But that's the main charge that we would uh, file against these child molesters, sometimes these pedophiles. That's And that carries a pretty big stick. It carries up to eight years for each individual touching. So to hear that now these people who are charged with 288, who are convicted of 288, are getting out in an average of one and a half years. When he first told me that, I'm thinking, that, that can't be right. That's not true. Has it changed that much from the time that I left the DA's office in two thousand and eight that we've gone to this point where we're letting out child molesters? And after going through some of the statistics with him and some of the data with him, I realized it it is accurate and it's it's shocking. It's terrifying. Everybody should be really upset and frightened by this fact because these people who are being released, these child molesters. We know from our experience, we know from literature, we know from all the studies, they're the least likely group of offenders to ever be rehabilitated. So what does what does that mean? Once they're out, they're going to reoffend. There's going to be another child that's going to be victimized by these people who are being let out and let out early. So there's going
1: to be more and more children who are going to be victimized, and we're letting it happen. What's the idea behind releasing them earlier? Is it to give them another chance or And it seems like this been going on for a while because according to this report, there's some cases even from 2013. So this has been a trend.
0: Yeah. And I want to point out that the analysis that this reporter did was uh, for data up to 2019. So you can't blame the pandemic on these releases because, you know, we'd hear that uh, because of the pandemic, sometimes criminals would be released early. Uh, for covid reasons but that's not the reason for this release this is being done systematically intentionally by the department of corrections as to the reasons why i think there's a lot of factors involved i think it's something that we have to look back for a number of years we've been passing laws for the last i don't know five to seven years you got prop 47 you got prop 57 you got realignment all of those were designed to release these criminals before their real time that they were convicted for. And particularly Prop 57, for example. Prop 57, I think it was in 2016, when they passed it, specifically excluded uh, sex offenders. So sex offenders could take advantage of Prop 57, which basically said that you only look at the base crime. If they have multiple charges that they're convicted of, the Department of Corrections can ignore all the other charges. They just look at the one base crime, And once he serves that base crime they can release him early so you can convict someone of 10 counts 20 counts and get these ridiculously high sentences and all the department of corrections has to do is look at the base crime only uh, let them stay in custody for that base crime and then release them right after that and that is unthinkable because as a prosecutor one of the tools that we had is to look at the circumstance of the abuse and charge for each individual touching. So for one victim, I could have multiple counts for each touching, each different type of touching. And you know, you would be able to then have significant um, maximum sentence allowable uh, because I would charge separately. Well, it's not gonna matter under Prop 57 if you only look at the one charge, the one base uh, offense. The rest of it's not gonna matter. So all that work that we put in to make sure that they're gonna get a high sentence, thrown out the window because of Prop fifty seven. I know a lot of it was motivated because they thought, well, we have an overcrowding and there was federal cases that were telling us okay we gotta line And the, the load. cost
1: is like over a hundred thousand dollars per year per inmate. Per inmate, exactly. And some people compare that to a good education and say, Okay, we're spending this much to put people in a way. Why don't we invest into the, this mu- the same money into their education or do something about it to to help them not re-offend or build a new life right is that is that
0: well you know it, it, overall for crime it would be wonderful if there was a program that once these people were subjected to these criminals were subjected to and all of a sudden their attitudes change they become great citizens and we can release them out in society that simply isn't true and it simply doesn't happen uh, i think one of your prior guests i was watching uh, kind of highlighted this There was an audit in California in 2018 that looked at the amount of money that we spent on rehabilitation to see if it has any impact on recidivism. It has little to absolutely no impact on criminals reoffending again. Rehabilitation is not working in California. That doesn't mean that overall rehabilitation won't work for anyone. That's not what that study showed, but it showed that the current system that we have which is, you know, we pay these private individuals, private corporations to provide the rehabilitation. That isn't working overall. And if we're spending that kind of money and and the idea is we're going to focus on rehabilitation and not incarceration. Well, if rehabilitation isn't working and we're just letting out all these criminals in mass uh, in very large amounts, and we're defunding the police or whether we're defunding it or not, we know the police force has come down significantly why is anyone surprised that we're having an incredible rise in crime no one feels safer today than they did several years ago we're constantly getting warnings from lapd don't go out wearing a nice watch don't go out wearing jewelry don't go out wearing you know holding a nice purse pretty much don't go out because you're going to be victimized it was never like that before and the, the reason i think is that we're not holding criminals accountable for their conduct anymore there's been a shift and the way we think about crime, crime isn't so bad. We're desensitized towards it. It just happens. You have elected officials who are choosing not to charge certain crimes. Cause they're desensitizing us saying it's not their fault. It's the fault of society. It's the fault of the economy. It's racism. It's everyone's fault, except for the person who's actually committing the offense. We've gone away from holding people accountable. Just as a general philosophy on crime with our elected officials, this progressive movement is all about, well, let's rehabilitate them. But we know, statistically, we know it's not working. So why do we keep trying it and letting these people loose who then go and reoffend at a much faster rate because they're out
1: earlier? And according to the US Department of Justice, these criminals are four times more likely to reoffend, right? absolutely and and we know that statistically rehabilitation just doesn 't work
0: with these type of offenders, especially when you're talking about pedophiles there 's a compulsion that they have they 're going to commit these crimes, and the minute you let them out sooner you 're just inviting them to go and reoffend and there 's going to be a child there 's a cost to this, and people don 't really think it through, but there 's a cost there 's a child out there who 's going to be victimized. And anybody who does this kind of work knows that these type of trauma that uh, a child will suffer, a child of sexual abuse, it's a lifetime of trauma. It's not something that, you know, you're a victim of robbery, you probably will get deeply affected by it and you might be vigilant afterwards. But when you're talking about a child who's been victimized sexually, I've dealt with these kind of cases for the last 20 plus years. I, I deal with these type of victims all the time. It's a lifetime of trauma that they're gonna go through. And that's the cost as a society that we're gonna be paying for the decisions that the, these elected officials are making in releasing these uh, child molesters, releasing them early in particular.
1: Do you think the people that are committing these kind of crimes are reoffending now? W- without a doubt, without a doubt, especially when you're talking about child molesters,
0: especially if you talk about the subset of pedophiles they will absolutely you know i can guarantee you a very large percentage a very significantly large percentage will be reoffending and harming another child you know statistically in california i think the recidivism rate has roughly been about 50 percent for the last decade or so but child molesters are significantly higher uh, rate of recidivism so if you're talking you know I don't know the exact percentage, but you're talking about four times more likely. You're talking about almost guarantee that you know, several of these people who are out and about are reoffending right now and harming another child who will then have to suffer for the rest of their lives because there was a decision made by our elected officials that this is the right way towards public
1: safety, and it's not working. And do you know how many times somebody commits a crime like that before they get caught? Do they get caught all the time or is there a...
0: You know what's funny about that is uh, when I was working sex crimes and I spent half my career in the sex crimes unit at the LA County DA's office, I was exposed to these sexual assaults all the time. Whenever we had a child molester, whenever we had someone who had, and we were able to arrest them for a crime against a child that we were aware of, after doing some investigation, I would say at least nine out of ten times we were able to find that there was another victim there was never hardly ever a case that i came across where it was a child molester that only had one victim that we knew of we were always able to find somebody else so these Offenders they will keep reoffending until they're stopped and by stop that means putting them away in prison But the minute you release them they're going back to it again. There is no rehabilitation for these type of, of offenders
1: So you mentioned one and a half years that they're giving to to these cases uh, When you were involved, what, what's the normal? What was what was it back then? What was the it would be, amount of punishment,
0: you know for again going back to the charge of 288? Um, it it's what they call the triad sentencing. You can get low of three, you can get a middle of six and you get a high of eight. And the law says we have to presume the middle ground, which is six years in prison. That, That alone should be a lot more than what we're currently seeing. But, uh, and back in my days, that was what our focus was. We would go to the six or look to get to the eight years. Now on top of that, we would look to charge each individual touching. So for example, if unfortunately, if a child molester was to get a hold of a child and digitally penetrate a child, for example, and then orally copulate a child, and then go back and then touch them again, I would charge each individual specific touching. And you can get multiple counts uh, for each individual victim. And, you know, instead of eight year maximum, now you're looking at 20, 30 years. That wasn't uncommon for me. I remember getting sentences over a hundred years when we had multiple victims. So getting multiple years, you know, 10 years or more was not an uncommon thing back in my time. That's why when I heard one and a half years and at least they're being released after one and a half years, it's beyond shocking and it's not okay. It really isn't okay. Our children are the ones who are going to be suffering. And we're subjecting our kids to this. It needs to stop.
1: You mentioned on average one and a half years. Who is who is doing this? Is it the district attorneys or is it the system? How are they getting this amount?
0: Uh, I think it's probably a combination of the two. I think nowadays there's a different philosophy on how cases are approached. But uh, going back to Prop 57 that we had a while back, back in 2016, remember, You know, even if the DA does their job properly, they charge properly, and they convict with multiple counts and get 30 years or so, under Prop 57, our California Department of Rehabilitations and our prison can take only that first count, whether it's three years, six years, or eight years, and then simply allow for extra credits, especially when they do one of these rehabilitation programs, give them extra credit, time off, and reduce that sentence dramatically on the one count, and then release them. All the other charges? Well, Prop 57 says you can ignore that if you're the Department of Corrections. And I think that's what's happening because there's really no other explanation as to why these people who are subjected to oftentimes very high sentences can be released after one and a half years.
1: So the Department of Corrections is essentially uh, changing these things behind us, behind right. at the end of the deal. You know, you may get a 20-year sentencing, but you may end up doing two because of the Department of Corrections doing.
0: The Department of Corrections is permitted to give extra uh, time credits for these programs that these people do that we know doesn't work. And they can ignore all the other subsequent charges and look at one charge and one charge only. And then if they choose to do so, and they can release them early after that person served that one count. And that has to be part of the explanation because I can't think of any, uh, any other explanation. So yeah, maybe the prosecutor can do their job, do their job just fine, and the Department of Corrections, after a couple of years, that person's out now.
1: And with the current situation that you see, we let these people out, what do you think the impact would be for people that live in California, like people that live in LA, San Diego, in the Bay Area? What, what could they see as an impact?
0: Well, it, it's terrifying as a parent, I'm a parent of two young children, and the idea that these these child molesters, these pedophiles, are walking out and about and being released at a very high rate, uh, well before their time that they should be released, it's terrifying for me as a parent, and it should be terrifying for every parent out there of a child. because. You know, one of the misconceptions of child molesters is you will figure it out. You will know who's a child molester. And I can tell you, having done this for over 20 years and, you know, prosecuting sexual assaults and child molesters for the many years that I have, it's the opposite of the person you would likely think. It's that coach that everybody loves. It's that priest that everybody loves, that teacher that everybody loves. And we have to also remember that these people, these child molesters, they specifically target these occupations so they have access to children. We were told that when I was prosecuting uh, multiple times when we would interview these, these defendants, these criminals, they would tell us they became a teacher because they would want to have access to children. Wow. So now we're, we're releasing all these people. And, and thankfully, uh, you know, they're oftentimes if you're convicted of a particular crime like child molestation, uh, hopefully parole would prohibit you from you know, trying to get a job as a teacher. But they're going to be looking for any opportunity to be exposed to children, volunteering at various sports organizations, for example, who are never going to do these background checks. And they're going to look for opportunities to be exposed to children. And all of us should be very mindful of that, should be even more vigilant as parents to be looking out for any opportunities for these individuals to be alone with our children. Uh, we should be very careful of of ever allowing that to happen. And that's something that every parent should be aware of.
1: There was discussions to actually remove the background check. Like so, so the employers won't be able to like see if somebody had a criminal record. And I thought it might be very devastating to some businesses because they might send people out to certain jobs or somebody's house without knowing that this person has a criminal history. what are your thoughts on that so can these people potentially get another job become a teacher again after
0: yeah and and, and i see those kind of cases all the time we have delivery truck delivery uh people who deliver furniture um, you know for these big retail organizations i've had cases like that where they come into the people's homes and there's a sexual offense that are committed there Uh, so these people are going to get these type of jobs where they're going to be exposed to the public they're going to be exposed to children Uh, You know, especially these type of uh, organizations, sports organizations, or anything of that nature that we see a lot of, um, unfortunately, uh, molestations occurring in that. Camps, uh, where people are thinking that, you know, there'll be amongst adults who are properly trained and vetted, that's not true. Uh, Parents should be aware that, you know, we, we assume all these people are vetted properly. And that's absolutely not true. These organizations are just looking for help, whoever comes across. And these child molesters and these pedophiles, they're looking for those specific kind of jobs and they're happily, you know, volunteer or, or go apply for those kind of work. And they're being exposed to our kids. And the more we keep releasing these sexual offenders, the more these child uh, molestations are going to be occurring and the more victims we're going to have. And we're just going to be devastating our children for a lifetime.
1: Now, you mentioned when you were there, you guys were doing much longer sentencing. Yeah. Would that have an impact? You mentioned that also that they're going to go back and do it again. Is that, is the longer sentence going to help them? It's going to keep them away from our kids.
0: I mean, if you think about it, you know, if I can sentence someone for 30 years, I could assure at least the general public for the next 30 years, that person's not going to harm another child. But if you're going to release a sexual offender one and a half years later, And then now with no bail, you know, they commit some crime, they get released right back into our society, they're going to go offend another child. And this cycle is going to keep continuing. You put them away, one year and a half later, they're going to keep offending. And the number of children that are going to be impacted because of the release is going to be dramatically higher. But when you put them away for 30 years or 40 years, you at least protect the public for that period of time from this person who more likely than not is going to go back out and reoffend and find another child to reoffend. We, we need to protect society. The only way to protect society is to put them away for as long as we possibly can. It would be great if there was a solution, a rehabilitation solution. You know, we offer them a program and they're fixed, but that doesn't exist. Currently, that doesn't exist. So what's the other solution to this problem? Is We have to keep them out and away from society, away from our kids. The only way to do that is to incarcerate them for as long as we possibly can. But we're not doing that right now.
1: Now, in terms of the victims, so essentially what you're saying, based on what you see, is there is going to be a lot more victims of these kind of crimes. 100%. How do they get impacted? You mentioned that they will have traumatic events. You have had some examples, if you can explain to us. Sure, and you know what
0: what we see over and over again is these uh, multiple similar patterns. Um, Children are so deeply impacted because they don't understand what's happening. Their children, these sexual offenses, it doesn't make sense to them. Most of the time, I would say 90 plus percent of the time, they blame themselves. They think they are gonna get in trouble if they reveal it. So they keep it internal and that's why they turn to drugs and, and alcohol and cause they are trying to figure it out and numb all these feelings that they're having, all these thoughts that they're having. And as they grow into an adult, um, as they go through relationships, the triggers are coming back again and they're having difficulty with relationships and it takes them a very long time to finally get to the point where they sit back and realize all of this is because of that sexual abuse. a study in Germany somewhat recently looked at the average age of victims who were abused as children when they come forward was 51 Wow it takes a very long time for children to process it figure it out and understand what happened and if you talk to a lot of these kids they would tell you that what they did their solution was I'm gonna just forget about it I'm gonna block it out of my mind and try their best to never think about it ever again unfortunately it somehow creeps up. I mean, they have triggers, and they don't, may not even appreciate their own attitude and shift in their anxiety and the depression until they get much older and they realize all of this is stemming from that abuse that they had as children. And now, actually, there's a new, uh, what we're learning now medically, they're doing all these studies on the brain. They're starting to see that there's an actual physiological impact on the brain from the abuse as a child. Wow. There's a doctor in San Francisco who's actually been able to show this, that there is a physical impact. And the more the child gets abused, the more you will have a permanent impact and damage to the brain of that child. So it's not surprising that it takes them a very long time to finally come forward and tell about their abuse, at which point, at least for civil law, most of the time their statute of limitations have expired. But thankfully in california they opened up the uh, statute of limitations for three years it's expiring in less than two weeks unfortunately but we had a change in ab218 that did allow for people like me to be able to go back and prosecute civilly uh these perpetrators of sexual abuse when these survivors would finally come forward in their 40s in their 50s in their 60s i've had people come forward in their 70s wow
1: do you think that the prosecutor's role, uh, based on what's going on now in certain places like LA County, has changed?
0: Without a doubt, 1,000%. I, I know it has changed. I'm still very good friends with a lot of prosecutors in the LA County DA's office. I still talk to them on a regular basis. A lot of them are unhappy with the new role that they've been assigned by George Gascone. They've been told, We're going to take a different approach they've been told you look at a crime you don't look at charging the maximum you look at the least uh, impact on that criminal that you can have and pick those charges so instead of you know a more significant charge you go with a lesser charge they that's their instruction they have to follow that new rule i know it's completely changed that wasn't the way that i used to prosecute crimes I was given free reign to prosecute based on the seriousness of the crime. When you're talking about child molesters, I can tell you almost every single person, every prosecutor in the sex crimes unit would look for ways of maximizing the amount that we could put that person away for as long as we could put that person away, because we knew that they cannot be rehabilitated. They would come out and they would reoffend. So we had that ability and we had the the permission, we had the backing of the administration to try to do the best we can of putting these child molesters away for as long as we possibly could. I know generally with regard to crime, that attitude has completely changed. It's the opposite direction. It's doing everything you can to see how you can help this poor criminal that committed this crime. And, you know, let's charge them the least amount that we can possibly charge them with. Let's avoid putting them in jail, and so let's do no bail while they're pending these criminal charges so they can go out and you know, re-offend again while they're pending these criminal charges. That's not something that you know we haven't seen. We've seen that a lot lately. There was a story in my city where I live in, in Glendale. There was a person who committed five different crimes within a 24-hour period, because every time he would get arrested by Glendale PD, he'd get released immediately because of the no bail. And each time he would commit a more uh, more serious crime until finally he ended up uh, doing a burglary i think and finally they, they kept him in custody but does it take five times for us to finally learn that this person is not is going to reoffend and we need to do something and hold them accountable the attitude and the philosophy has dramatically changed we've gone 180 on our approach to crime
1: so is the ideology about assuming the best case scenario and hoping that this person okay they made it they did it once hopefully they won't do it again but the common sense based on the experience that you guys have is that this is not gonna happen right absolutely it's great to imagine
0: that we can Uh, help someone who's committed a crime to become a productive member of society and i am positive and i'm sure and i've seen actually some programs that do in fact help with regard to that when i was a prosecutor i remember there was a drug court run by a particular judge who was very invested in making sure that you know the people who went through his program which they were selected not everybody made it you look at risk factors of who should be eligible, who is amenable to rehabilitation, and when you pick the right people and you put them in the right program for the certain types of crimes, you can help people. But when you're talking about these violent criminals, when you apply it across the board, like all of a sudden we have, and, and it looks like
1: there's no program. Also, when you let somebody out without a bail, they, there don't, is no they didn't go through a program, so no. they.
0: Actually, if you think about it, you're actually harming them because back in the days when, when a person would commit a drug offense and now you just simply release them and don't even charge them by the way, for straight possession, which is what we're seeing nowadays. Back in my times, you would charge them and then you put them through this drug court program. You would help them, you would give them that help. But if you don't charge them, you don't put them in jail, you don't offer them any help. So magically they have to go out there in society and figure out a better way for themselves without any rehabilitation, without any services, you're actually doing more harm under this philosophy than you would have if you actually did charge them and allow them to have a program where they can change their lives. A program that should be vetted, tested on a smaller scale with low uh, risk offenders, not across the board with these violent criminals, especially not with child molesters.
1: You seem very passionate about this,
0: why? Uh, you know. I, I always knew I wanted to be a prosecutor since, since, since ninth grade. Um, and when I got into the office, I, I think it's the greatest office. The LA County Attorney's Office has the potential of being the greatest office out there because I could see the positive effect that I would have for the victims that I used to represent. Uh, I could see the positive effect I would have on society when I would put away a really, really bad person for the rest of their lives. Uh, and I felt good. I'm seeing the opposite now. Now you see people in despair, you see, you know, victims really upset. Victims are now hiring me to become what they call a Marcy's law attorney, which I do pro bono. I don't charge any money whatsoever, by the way, to go in there and be their voice in a criminal court when it should be the DA. The DA is no longer the voice of the victim. I've actually been hired multiple times. There's another lady in my office who actually does Marcy's law again, pro bono. We've been going into criminal courts so we can be the voice of the victims that the deputy district attorney no longer can under the directions of the new administration. Um, so I, have been in this industry, I've seen the good that we can do and I've seen the horrors when we don't do that good. And I, I want, I need everybody to go back to the way we were, because our children depend on it. I have two kids. My passion comes from the fact that I want to protect my two kids and every parent hopefully will have that same feeling. We need to make a change.
1: Do you think there's a chance that the situation can get normalized? Like, you know, after a while of seeing it, you just say, okay, this is how it is. This is a, that's what I'm afraid of.
0: That's the attitude we're starting to have. We're desensitized towards crime. Uh, you know, crime is not a bad thing anymore. Oh, they're just out there committing uh, a petty theft that's no big deal because the LA county da's office says well that's no big deal we're not even going to bother charging them with those kind of crimes and but there's consequences there's an impact on all of these decisions you have uh, there was an article the other day stores are closing down because the rate of thefts that are occurring is so high that they can't afford to keep certain stores operating so they're gonna close it down. That means loss of business, loss of jobs. It's gonna impact the economy. There's a lot of deep consequences to these decisions, of uh, these progressive ideologies about crime that so far hasn't worked. And right now we're in a crisis mode of fixing what's just an out-of-control crime rate. And these theories about you know long-term solutions aren't gonna address what we're currently facing right now.
1: Now, so it seems that the policymakers are not there yet to make the changes, but what do you recommend to the parents? Because you've you seen a lot of victims and, and, and you know this field pretty well. What should parents do about it? I think people need to
0: speak up. Finally, you know, say enough is enough to our elected officials and hold them accountable to enforce the law. And when they don't, we need to bring in people that will promise to enforce the law. Because if we don't get the pendulum to swing back, at some point, it's gonna be complete lawlessness out there. We are starting to create this culture of lawlessness in California, particularly in Southern California, at least that's the area that and I'm Northern familiar with. And Northern California is, is worse too. Is it probably is. Without the guns, but
1: they're it. just like stealing the, th- you can't right. put anything in your car.
0: Right, property <S laughs> crime here in, yeah. in San Francisco is out of control, but yeah. this, this culture of lawlessness that we've accepted, is just gonna keep getting worse and worse and worse. And it's not gonna be until all of us rise up and say enough is enough. We wanna change. We want back to law and order. We want more police out there. We want our laws enforced. We wanna put these pedophiles in prison for as long as we possibly can. Not like George Gascona says, let's look at the crime, let's find the least amount that we can charge so they would have the least likely sentence. That shouldn't be our attitude, especially not to child molesters. We should look for ways of making sure that they get the longest sentence possible. And when I heard from that reporter that one and a half years was the average for a Penal Code Section 288 violation, it's it's shocking and it's not okay. We can't allow this to continue. For the safety of our children, we can't allow this to continue.
1: Sam Derdulian, victim's attorney and former prosecutor, it was great to have you on California Insider. Well, thank you very much for having me. We want to ask you to sign up to our California Insider email list. You will receive exclusive updates on our upcoming documentary and get the latest inside stories on everything that's happening in California. Go to insiderca.com and sign up.